Welcome to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Behold Israel provides reliable and accurate reporting on developments in Israel and the region. Amir's live updates and teachings are based on God's written word. Connect with Behold Israel on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Download our free app, available in Android and Apple, under Behold Israel. The name of the message is Europe getting ready or ready for the Antichrist. So I'm not going to put much of the emphasis on the Antichrist. Thank God I don't know who he is and don't wish me to know who he is. Um, I'm going to put the emphasis on Europe and I want to tell you something. Very few times in, a, in my short life, I got to the point where I nearly passed out just from seeing something or being in the presence of something. I normally try to keep my act together and to pretend that I'm fine and I'm tough and everything is fine. And the first time I led a group up on the Temple Mount, which I don't do anymore, I, I, the place is completely given to Satan, I believe. The first time I came, I went, I approached the, te- the Dome of the Rock, and then, of course, I stood right in front of that marble slab, and I saw that face of the beast r- looking right at me. Um, and you can clearly see that it's that marble slab on that corner, and this is what you get to see. And by the way, that's a natural formation of the marble. Nobody painted, nobody created that. This is what the marble had inside when they placed it over there. And I remember I saw it and I nearly passed. I felt such demonic presence right there. I totally believe that starting from Ezekiel 8 and then 10, the Spirit of God left that place long ago. I mean, on and on to the Mount of Olives and departed from that place and as people worshiped Tammuz and other deities in that place and completely abandoned the worship of the true and the living God. So the the temple was still there when nobody really worshiped God in that temple and that could be the picture of many of the churches nowadays. The buildings are beautiful, facilities are so great But is it really, truly Jesus that is being worshipped in those places? And so, next time is when I visited the upper room and I was walking with my group downstairs from the upper room. And again, I nearly passed out. And I didn't know why. And, you know, about two weeks later, the municipality of Jerusalem trimmed some of the plants on the railing that led to one of the upper rooms nearby, and I saw the symbol of the Freemasons, and apparently I was standing in front of Lodge Number 2 of Harzion, Mount Zion, which is one of the three most important Freemason lodges in Israel. Now, I didn't know it's there until a couple weeks later, but the third time it happened to me, it was last month. I arrived in Europe, in Amsterdam. I, uh, I had a room right in the area of the, the, the Dam Square. And I, I remember, the, got off the, the cab, got into my room, and then immediately put the stuff and went out to, to, to walk around. And within two, three minutes, I ran back to my room. And I was there to write something, to have several meetings there, and every single time I left my room outside, within 10 minutes, I ran back. I couldn't even breathe. And the Lord spoke to me like, and then we had an interview with Jan. The last one I had was from my hotel room in Europe. And and that is the moment it, it dawned to me, I am in the heart of the kingdom of the prince of this world, and I am in the heart of the place that is already prepared for the rise of the Antichrist. And let me tell you, I I, I try not to be sensationalist. I hate those things that people try to throw names and places, but, but I never ever bought that thing that the Antichrist is a Muslim simply for three reasons. One, Um, I don't know a single Jew that will ever claim that a Muslim is his Messiah, including myself. Two, I don't know any single Muslim that will have peace with the Jews. (laughs) 
And third, I don't know a single Muslim leader that will actually allow the Jews to have a temple on the Temple Mount. So, you know, that alone is, to me, absurd to even think about. However, looking at the history of my people and seeing, even in the recent years, the, the way we view world leaders coming from the Western part of the world as they attempt to bring peace to Israel, the way the Israelis behaved when Bill Clinton arrived in Israel, you know, to sign the Oslo Accord and the oldest ceremonies in the peace with Jordan, and the way Obama arrives in Israel and everybody's rolling the red carpets all, all around, even though we're not big fans of him, even then, when he comes, everybody is so excited. I want you to understand, we're not excited about Muslim leaders, but we're very excited about Western worldly leaders. And Israel doesn't want to become like the Muslim world, but Israel always wants to become like the Western world. And it's interesting how Europe is really getting there. Um, I've been reading... Anne's book, Prayer of Daniel, which really changed my prayer life. Thank you. And, and of course, that gives me the chance to read oh, again and again Daniel, because this is an amazing character in the Bible. And in his dream, we all know that there was that interpretation of that image made of four different materials, the head of gold, the chest of silver, the thighs of bronze, the legs of iron, and the feet partly of iron and partly of clay. We can see that image on the screen. We all understand that the head of gold was the Babylonians that were ruling at that time. Um, and then we have the Medo-Persians, which is the breast and the arms of silver. The Greek empire is the belly and the thighs of brass. The legs of iron are Rome that ruled from 168 BC to 476 AD. And of course, the mystery has always been the feet of that big image, a feat that was a mix of iron and clay. And by the way, iron and clay cannot really mix. It's, it's something that was doomed, was, was made to be not really united. And we can see, um, and I'm going to try to show you how I believe Europe, or Western Europe today, is indeed that which the stone that Daniel looked at is shattering, the feet. The first four empires were fulfilled in the scope of Bible, Bible history. We, we've seen it throughout, whether it's Old or New Testament, all the way through the Roman Empire. But the fifth one, the Roman Empire, the, the, the new one, is to continue until its final dissolution in the 5th century AD. And then, of course, we have the feet. The only unfulfilled part is the feet, as I said. Iron and clay cannot mix. And that means that we're going to look at a very weak, disunited power that ultimately will be broken and smashed by a rock. And who is the rock? <laughs> I love it, you know. You know, Psalm 118, Matthew 21, Isaiah 8, Isaiah 28, 1 Peter 2, 6, 1 Peter 2, 8, 1 Corinthians 10, 4. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it, was, and it is marvelous in our eyes. He will be as a sanctuary but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the house of Israel as a trap and snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. I wish I had more time to go on and on and on, but we understand there's no other way to look at that rock that is going to smash that kingdom made of the clay and the iron. We, we see that, and nations and kings, as we just listened this morning with Dr. Mark Hitchcock, nations and kings and rulers wants to break that bond between God and His Son, Jesus. But we must remember, why do the nations rage? 
in the people plot a vain thing, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. The rock smashing the feet is definitely Christ in his second coming. So we have to be excited about two things, not only about our rapture to be with him, but also about the fact that when he comes, we come back with him and we will put and he will put an end to that evil empire that is going to be ruled by the Antichrist of that time. Now we know that Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. Some say he built it. Well, Babylon in Hebrew is Babel. Babel goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. We all know they went to the valley of Shinar to build a tower, and that was the Tower of Babel. The name Babel in Hebrew is that God confused them. And so this is what the Tower of Babel looked like. As you can see, unfinished. They never finished it. God really smashed and destroyed it. This is an art depiction of what the tower would look like. The Babylonian Empire destroyed by the Medes and the Persians in Babylon. And I'm going to show you how Babylon started moving. Watch this. So first of all, the Babylonian was destroying Babylon. The Persian Empire, which controlled Babylon, was destroyed by Alexander the Great in Babylon. The Greek Empire by Alexander the Great was destroyed by the Romans in that area of Babylon. And it's just that the Roman Empire was never destroyed in Babylon. It stopped right there. They were destroyed by the Germanic tribes and not by Babylon, but in Europe. So Babylon was in Babylon and kept being Babylon throughout history as kingdoms rose and fell. But once it came to the Roman Empire, once it came to the western part of Europe, it actually stopped right there. This is where it stopped. And it's interesting because I'm thinking about those ten horns that Daniel 7 mentioned from which the Antichrist is going to come. And only Western Europe makes sense to me. We're talking about 10 different tribes of which three don't even exist anymore. The Visigoths, the Anglo-Saxons, the Franks, the Alemanni, the Burgundians, the Lombards, the Suevi, Heruli, Ostrogoths, and Vandals, of which, as you can see on the screen, seven still exist. The last three don't exist anymore. Amazing how one area of the world fits that particular thing. And I'm looking at that crown of, of, of stars that was given to the EU flag, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, isn't that that crown that was given to the Queen of Heaven? That same Queen of Heaven that is a title given by the Babylonians to the earthly mother of Nimrod, the one who was known in their mythology to, to, as a, the builder of Babylon? That same Nimrod that we know was the great-grandson of Noah according to Genesis 10.8, in that mythology was the great builder of Babylon and his mother, the queen of heaven. And so watch this. We see that which is in, 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 in Genesis, the Tower of Babel, which is by no means a satanic symbol of rebellion against God and the attempt to either prove that there is no God or to replace him. It's not a picture of what we see today. Almost everyone around is either trying to prove that there is no God or to take his place. I'm, I'm amazed because this is Satan's first goal from day one. He told them in the Garden of Eden God doesn't want you to eat from that fruit, lest you will be like him. You can be like him if you will eat. And it's interesting because in Isaiah 14, when we read about Satan, how he was cast down all the way from heaven, but he wanted to be all the way up there, high above, like the Most High. The city of Babylon became a symbol and God destroyed that tower and the city and it became a symbol of sin and rebellion against God. And it's interesting because the Babylonian exile was an 
unthinkable thing. The people of Israel, the people of promise, those who were taken from darkness into the light of the promised land are now, because of their disobedience and because of their rebellion against him, are marching back to the city that is a symbol of rebellion. By disobeying God, you are basically marching to the area of rebellion, to the place of rebellion. That is why I was so amazed when I was in Vienna in the Kunsthistorisches Museum, which is the, the museum for the history of art. And that same Tower of Babel is there, and you all know it was a very famous painting on 1563, painted by Peter Bruegel the Elder, a Dutch famous painter. And when they designed the EU Parliament building, you all know, they took that particular painting and designed the EU Parliament in Strasbourg, France, exactly according to it. Oh, Amir, you have such a developed imagination. <laughs> well, Try and take a tour in the EU Parliament building, they'll tell you that. They're not even hiding that. You think Europe is hiding that? Take a look at, at, at I mean, we're talking about a $12 billion complex, and it was completed in the year 2000 and stands as a symbol of the pride of man takes, that, that man takes in his rebellion against God. And if you still doubt that this should be reminding of the Tower of Babel, take a look at this poster that the EU produced. Europe, many tongues, one voice. And the Tower of Babel is right there. And then you see a star full of all the symbols of the occult and different religions. And then he said, we can all share the same star, free for all. That's Europe of today. And outside of the EU Council building in Brussels, you have another amazing statue standing there. A woman rides a beast. And that is, of course, their version of the story why Europe is called Europe. Europe is called Europe because of Europa. Europa. The rape of Europa is a very, very famous story in the Greek mythology, that story of Zeus disguised himself to a white bull in order to seduce the princess Europa who was gathering flowers and when she approached the bull and, and got on its back, the bull seized the occasion and, and, and to run away with her and eventually rape her. After her death, she received divine honors as queen of heaven. That same deity is all throughout the Babylonian and the Greek and reached all the way to the uh, Greek mythology. In Revelation, we see in chapter 17, 3 to 5, how we have a woman that is riding the beast and it was written on her forehead a name, Mystery Babylon the Great. So watch this. The people that are actually putting that sculpture outside of the EU Council, they don't look at Revelation 17. They look at the story from the Greek mythology. John, in his mind, when he got the revelation about that which is going to happen in the end, can see in his mind that woman riding the beast and he's calling her Babylon. Mystery Babylon the Great. It's interesting how Babylon started moving all the way towards the West. Actually, Babylon was invited by the West. In fact, Babylon is, is, is the West taking pride of being that. You know, if it was only that, that odd, ugly sculpture, I would say, okay. But you find the women rides the beast on a 1945 five Deutsche Mark banknote in Germany, 1979 a painting on the Berlin Wall in Germany, 1984 a British stamp commemorating a second European parliamentary election, 1992 a German EQ coin, which is the EQ was before the Euro, on a painting on the airport lounge in Brussels, on a German telephone card and on the back of the, two, the new two Euro coin in Greece. It's all over. They don't even try to hide it anymore. Revelation 17, mystery Babylon, is decorating all over Europe. Things, places, and even currencies. 
Speaking of the Holocaust and World War II, Adolf Hitler had a dream to restore Babylon. He had a dream that Europe will become one. And it's very interesting because how many of you heard of a Zeppelin? Zeppelin, the Zeppelin, that big, you know, rigid airship, you know? Okay, so we're talking about a Zeppelin. This is a type of a rigid airship that named after the German Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin. A German guy who uh, pioneered that airship, that airship development at the beginning of the 20th century. We all, of course, know the, the famous um, 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 Lindenburg, of course, uh, disaster in New Jersey, where uh, more than 30 people died. But uh, I want you to understand that there was a special area in Nuremberg where the Zeppelin would take off from and land, and it was called the Zeppelinfeld. Das Zeppelinfeld in, in a good German. Adolf Hitler hired a man called Albert Speer to design the Zeppelinfeld after the altar of Zeus, which was found in the city of Pergamon in Turkey. Now wait, probably you're saying, wait a minute, Hitler, Pergamon, Turkey, Zeppelin? Well, let me put together everything. The Pergamon Museum in Berlin, one of the most beautiful museums in a place called Museum Insel, which is the island of the museum, is hosting two of the most unbelievable um, artifacts. Now, you guys are all about, oh, they are reproducing the Arch of, of Baal in New York City. That's a reproduction. I'm talking about the real deal that is in that museum. You see, you have to understand the city of Pergamon, which you can see only as a theater of that city, was a huge place. The people of Pergamon were the inventors and innovators, and, and they were known as the, probably the biggest, um, um, I would say, um, um, competition to Athens in those days. And they say that the city's Acropolis rivaled Athens. And the library that was there was second largest in the ancient world. That same library, General Mark Anthony gave as a gift to Elizabeth Taylor, to um, <laughs> Cleopatra. The people of Pergamon were known as, the, as what we call the temple keepers of Asia. The city had three temples dedicated to worship of the Roman emperor, one of them for the goddess Athena, and then was the great altar of Zeus, which was known by them then as the seat of Satan himself. You know, there was a very famous Christian guy who lived there, and Revelation 2.13 will tell you about Antipas, who was a, one of the leaders of the Christian community in that particular place. He would not denounce Christ. They took him, they, they took a bull, they stuffed the bull, I mean, they took everything out of the bull, put that person inside, and roasted the bull. And the, the, the steam came out of the eyes of the bull, so he will denounce Christ. That was a satanic thing that was done right on the satanic altar, which is known as the seat of Satan. That's why the Revelation 2 says, He was killed among you where Satan dwells. It's interesting because since 1930, the altar of Zeus, known as the seat of Satan, is in Berlin, inside that museum. And that particular thing you see is the way Adolf Hitler asked Albert Speer to design Zeppelinfeld for all the marching and all the, the, the um, ceremonies of the Nazi troops and the Nazi party. He knew what he's doing. Not only that he wants to restore Babylon, he wants the seat of Satan to be right there. And if that's not enough, and you think I'm sailing with my imagination about Europe inviting Babylon, 
One of the other things that is in that museum is the Ishtar Gate to Babylon. In fact, this is one of the gates from Babylon that was taken from Babylon as is and brought to Germany by the archaeologists in the 1930s. So in that museum, you see the seat of Satan and the gate of Babylon. And you know, you don't have to think that all started in the 1920s or 30s or 40s. No, it, ha it started way before. You see, in Europe, we had horrific things that started then. Have you heard of the Knight Templar? Group of people, a religious order that was established in 1118 AD. And, and they, of course, they were there to protect the pilgrims coming all the way to Jerusalem. And these people were given a, a, some territory in the church or the palace that King Baldwin II built right where the Dome of the Rock is today. Just so you understand, the Dome of the Rock on the Temple Mount started as a memorial that was built by the Muslims, converted into a crusader church, and later on back to some Muslim mosque. And during that time of the crusaders, the Knight Templars had a quarter there, and that's why they were called Knight Templar, the Knights of the Temple, because that's where the temple was standing. And you need to understand, these people were evil. But let me tell you how genius they were in being so evil. These people understood that anyone who wants to join the Crusaders has to basically march at least several months from Europe to the land of Israel. They realized that some of them might not come back home. In order to protect the people's possessions and money, they created the first ever in history checkbook. Did you know that it started by the Knight Templar? The checkbook that you have in your pocket started right then. What happened is, Anyone who wanted to come to the Holy Land had to come to their office in Europe, give all their possessions, and receive a note. That note was in their pocket as they traveled to the Holy Land. And when they reached the Holy Land, they bring that note and get money in return. Now, 90% never made it. So you understand, 90% died along the way. 90% or the, the possessions of the 90% is now in the hands of the Knight Templars. And that tells you that their success was amazing. And by the year 1128, they were taken under special protection of the Pope, and they became untouchable. You couldn't touch them. Ladies and gentlemen, they became the most richest organization on planet Earth of those days. They lasted only 200 years. But they were so evil. And by the way, the evil started being in the banking system since then. You'll see in a few seconds why. And these people started then, and then they moved on, and in their initiation, they had people spit on the cross of Jesus. They do many more things that I don't want to talk about right now, like the um, like sodomy that was a right in their, uh, eye, in their uh, practice. And they had to acknowledge other deity which had some face of a goat. In fact, you can see what it looked like. They called him Baphomet. And that's the new deity that people who, who call themselves knights of Templars, people who call themselves the defenders of the Christians, this is what they worship and demanded anyone who becomes a member of them to worship. It's interesting because the deity of God gods that looks like goats can already go to Leviticus chapter 17 in verse 7. You can see that God talked to the people of Israel about it, and he didn't like them to, to do that. And in fact, and it's, it's in Deuteronomy 17, but I want you to understand that God really warned them against this, because this is intolerable. God will not take it. But I want you to know, that not only that they worshipped the goat gods, deities, but they also were having prostitution and sexual uh, immorality ad ad attached to it. That performance continued as the evil continued in Europe. 
The evil continued from that time of the Knight Templars, which were exposed by the King of France, and they were executed, but they continued. They continued all the way until we get to Europe of the 18th century, the Europe of the Enlightenment era, the Europe of something that has started then and became a very dangerous occult, a very dangerous secret uh, society. And we're talking about a combination of what I call a disappointed uh, Jew and a Jesuit who was very frustrated. Now, we all know that um, the Rothschild family is not, wasn't called Rothschild. As you all know, in, 19, in 1743, a goldsmith named Amschel Moses Bauer opened a coin shop in Frankfurt and in Germany, and he hung above the door a sign depicting a Roman eagle on a red shield. That man had a son, and his son was Meyer Amschel Bauer, and at a very early age, he showed unbelievable uh, uh, a immense of intellectual ability, became very, very successful, and eventually returned back to Frankfurt to buy his father's shop, and he went back in, in, in 1743, and that big red shield that was still displayed on the, over the door, recognizing the true significance of the red shield, and then what he did, he changed his name to Red Shield, which is in German, Rothschild, or Rothschild. And then, of course, in his mind, he says, I understand that the best way to take over the world is indeed to loan money, but not just to people, but to governments. And, and that's how I can make sure they do anything I want. He started a cahoot with another very disappointed Jew, and we're talking about Adam Weishaupt that was born in Ingolstadt in the year 1748, and he was someone who was adopted by the Jesuit order and turned to be someone who worships Satan himself. We're talking about someone who was, who was following um, some, some philosopher like Voltaire and others, and we're talking about a combination of a Satan worshiper and a combination of someone who wants to take over the world, and they realize that this is their opportunity in Europe of the 18th century to take over. It was so dark, it was so evil, that they had to put upon themselves a face of benevolent organization, yet inside, their job was to do something completely different. To destroy the evangelical church that just started in Europe, and to take over the world. They did not believe that God really deserved to be worshipped. They believed that in the picture, it is Satan who needs to be worshipped, and not God himself. That's how the Illuminati was born on May 1st, 1768, in Ingolstadt in Germany. They took upon themselves a name that was of a secret society in Germany from about a hundred years earlier. Illuminati means the illuminated, enlightened ones. What light? The light of Lucifer. And when they were exposed as Illuminati, they realized we need to in infiltrate into something completely new. And they realized that in 1717, the Masons started in London and continued all the way. The Masons were Masons. They built things. That's why they were called Masons. But there was a problem. In Europe of those days in the 1700s, no more cathedrals were built. No more big churches. No more big buildings. They were jobless. So the operative Freemasons became speculative Freemasons. They started dealing, dealing with the wrong things. And Mr. Weishaupt, together with the Rothschild, infiltrated into the Freemasons, which was the most successful secret society all around Europe at that time, and they realized this is our way to continue our plan. I want to read to you two things that Masons wrote in their books. One, Albert Pike, Morals and Dogma, page 321. Lucifer, the light bearer, strange and mysterious name given to the spirit of darkness. Lucifer, the son of the morning, is it he who bears the light? Doubt it not. And another European woman, Sister Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, in The Secret Doctrine, she said, it is Satan who is the god of our planet and the only god. Satan, or Lucifer, represents the centrifugal energy of the universe, this ever-living symbol of self-sacrifice for the intellectual independence of humanity. 
people at that time were worshiping Satan in the dark. Now it's completely out in the open, all over Europe. In the early 1950s, we had the European Organization for Nuclear Research that started. All of you know it as by CERN. Have you seen that? CERN is actually the French name, Conseil Européen pour la Recherche Nucléaire, which is the European Organization for Nuclear Research. And interesting, they were a group of scientists, and in fact, in 1989, under the guidance of Tim Berners-Lee, CERN began the World Wide Web project, which led to the first web page in the history. On April 30th, 1993, CERN announced that the World Wide Web would be free to anyone. Originally, they started communicating between themselves, then they decided it's good enough for everyone to use it for free. And I can tell you that it started in the dark and continues in the dark because if there is one thing that is so dark nowadays that we cannot see is the internet. And I want you to know that what they did, just like in the Tower of Babel, when the people wanted to take over God, these people started a French-Swiss $9 billion collider complex that is buried at the depth of about 575 feet and the tunnel complex runs along a 17-mile circuit. And this collider is supposed to send light and supposed to somehow imitate what? The Big Bang. Now, they claim that they found a way to do it but I'm amazed because these are scientists. Scientists normally don't associate this themselves with anything religious. They try to stay neutral. They start to look only at the science. Oh, and of all things outside of their building, this organization decided to put one thing outside, the goddess of destruction, Shiva. You see, in their minds, what they're doing is something that they believe can indeed bring about destruction. In fact, some speculations about their logo, as you can see, is that it is actually made of three different sixes are there. But if that's not enough, I want you to know, today, CERN, by the way, one of their, in fact, their headquarters is in a town called saint Genupoli. And the, word, the name Poli comes from the Latin Apolloniacum, and it's believed that the Roman time, the temple existed in honor of Apollo, and the people who lived there believed that it is a gateway to the underworld. No wonder most of their activities under the ground. It is interesting that CERN is built on that same spot. In Revelation 9, verses 1 and 2 and verse 11, to him was given the key of the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit, and they had a kind of, uh, they had a kind over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue has the name Apollyon. They are located in a place named after Abaddon after that which is in charge of the bottomless pit. But today, CERN is more famous, or I would say infamous, for something else. For an upcoming experiment in which scientists will play God in an effort to recreate the conditions immediately following the Big Bang event that gave birth to the universe millions of years ago. So people in, in Europe put upon themselves horrific deities, and then locate themselves in a place named after the angel in charge of the bottomless pit, and they want to act like God by creating something like him. June 1st, 2016 of this year, the opening ceremony of Gotthard Base Tunnel a 57-kilometer-long tunnel in Switzerland, the longest and the most expensive tunnel in the history of planet Earth. They have very strange opening ceremony, and this particular person is wearing that head of a goat. This is Baphomet, just so you understand. 
And let me tell you what happened during that particular ceremony or event. The central figure is a production of the Goatman, striking re resemblance of Baphomet. In the occult world, Baphomet is often a symbol of Satan or the human embodiment of Satan, which is going to be the Antichrist. During the ceremony, the ceremony, the goatman dies. In the ceremony, the goatman dies. During the ceremony, the goatman recovers from a fatal wound. During the ceremony, the goatman is worshipped by everyone else. And during the ceremony, the goatman is crowned as the ruler of the whole world. In a ceremony in Switzerland this year, in June 1st. I think you know where I'm going. You see, the effort to bring about Europe start in the modern age started in 1923 by um, the um, Austrian count, and then it continued in 1950 by the Schumann Declaration, the French foreign minister, and 1951, the treaty in Paris, 57, the Treaty of Rome. The EU began literally in a treaty signed in Rome, talking about the new Roman Empire. And very interesting because in 87 they continued signing uh, deals in single European act and in 92 in Maastricht in, in Belgium and the Treaty of Amsterdam continued that. But in 2007 in Lisbon, Portugal, the treaty actually creates a new function in the EU institutional architecture, a president of the European Council. For the first time, Europe in modern age has a, a position of someone who will control all over when the time comes. See, in Daniel 7, we saw those beasts coming. And we saw that in, in that night vision, in verse 7 and 8, a, behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth, it was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and three, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up amongst them, where before whom three out of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. They don't exist anymore. And there, this little horn, he had like eyes of a man and mouth that's speaking pompous words. So think about it. From an area of once ten tribes, as we can see, three were plucked out. That little horn, as you can see in that picture, is coming out with eyes and mouth that speaks those pompous words. Europe right now goes through a crisis, and you all understand, every single day, immigrants are coming. I just want you to know that people are making good money from that. Why? Because human rights organizations are being rewarded money from people like George Soros to help those people. So before they even fall in the water, they're being picked up by a human rights organization so they can make money, take pictures, record it, and get money. So it is the easiest ever to get to Europe right now. The immigration to Europe, sometimes 6,000 a day. Look at those pictures. They're coming from different places, as you can see. And look at the map that shows they come from northern Africa, they come from Syria, and they come all the way from Turkey. And these people know there is a place where we go. And it's not stopping in Hungary. It's not stopping in Italy. It's not stopping in Greece or Turkey. It's stopping in Germany, and it's stopping in Sweden. And you can clearly see where they seek asylum the bigger the dark green circle is, is where they want to be. Sweden today, from 9 million people, 1 million Muslims, in Stockholm, more than half of the teenagers in high schools are Muslims. The same Sweden that criticizes Israel every day is now getting it. And you know, the Vatican has a solution. 
The solution of the Vatican is this. If you want to be good people, you just need to understand that you don't have to lose your faith in whatever it is, but just be good people. Say good, be good, do good. That's it. Hold hands and let's sing Kumbaya. <laughs> All churches, Catholic churches, are opening their doors for those refugees to come. And they tell them, you just have to be good. You're like us. Be like us. There's a leadership crisis right now in Europe. Never before, people and governments were so far apart. They want to kick Merkel out. They want to kick the Swedish government out. They want to kick the French government out. They want to kick the German. They want to kick everyone out because what happens now is not according to the will of the people. So the Vatican stands right in between the government and the people and says, hey, don't worry. We're going to change them. They want to be good. They will be good. They ran from, Muslim, from Islam, from radical Islam. All we need is to train them to just be, become good people. Do good, be good, say good, feel good. This is the new world religion. You don't have to believe in Jesus in order to enter the kingdom of God. That's what the Pope said. Just do good things. And every one of those, of those immigrants is going to adopt it. Why? Because he doesn't want to go back. He doesn't want to go back to radical Islam. If things will be better, he might go back. But right now in Europe... He's looking for some sort of hope. Europe kicked God out. Europe invited Babylon in. Europe exports satanic worship. Europe exports liberal lifestyle. Europe promotes globalism. And Europe is super very anti-Israel. Everything, all the ingredients are there. The place is ready. For someone to rise from, the, from, from that ashes of, of, of horrible moral condition and the, the leadership crisis, someone is about to rise. Now watch this. Russia is going to attack Israel. Yes. Turkey will attack Israel. Yes. Iran will attack Israel. Yes. So, and they will be defeated by who? So Russia is gone. The Muslim world will give up from fighting against Israel. Islam is no longer important. America is irrelevant. America in Ezekiel is not even mentioned as doing anything but criticizing this whole thing and staying aside. If the young lions of Tarshish are indeed America. Europe is the only power that can rise and introduce peace to the Middle East. And Europe is ready to produce that man of sin the man of evil, the man of son of perdition, he will come from there. And trust me, Jews have no problem accepting a European figure. They have big problem accepting anyone from the Arab Muslim world. This is pretty dark. If Europe is ready, the world is ready, the heathens are ready. The question is, are you ready? You see, we can get very discouraged by looking at what is going on. But Colossians 3 says in verses 1 and 2, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Amen. You see, if I, if I keep looking at what's going on in, in the world, and particularly in Europe, I'll be depressed all my life. But my hope is not in this world. My hope is not in the, in the deities of this world, in the people that are running this world. My hope, is, my hope is in Jesus Christ that is sitting at the right hand of, of God the Father, and He's interceding for me day and night. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3.20 for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lovely body that is, may be conformed, or lively, whatever. 
conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So we need to remember where our citizen here is. We need to understand that we need to eagerly wait for our Savior to come and transform our body. Behold, we're all going to change. In the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet. Isn't that great? All of us are going to be changed. The map is ready. This morning we saw the Middle East is ready. This afternoon we see that the preparation of the Antichrist is all there. Don't take these things lightly. Hold on to the blessed hope. But as that amazing message of Anne Graham Lotz this afternoon was, judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And we need to search ourselves. And we need to get ready. And we need to be prepared. Because again, soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we are so depressed by looking at this world, particularly in what Europe is going through and what is embracing. But yet we know, Lord, that all things are in full control and you are still on the throne. We thank you, Father, that we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear that which the Spirit has to say, and that you, by your grace and mercy, had revealed to us your plans. Thank you, Father, that you don't want your children to be in the dark. Thank you, Father, that you gave us prophecy so we can be prepared and not scared. We thank you that you love us and you are such a loving Father and you want us not to perish but to have everlasting life. And so Father, this afternoon as we conclude this amazing conference, may we go out with joy and be led forth in peace because we know that our redemption indeed and our salvation of the body is drawing near. We want to look up and we are waiting for our blessed hope. And then we'll come back with him in his glorious appearance to this world. How amazing are the things that you have prepared for your children that no ear has heard and no eye had seen. We thank you. So we choose this afternoon to look and concentrate on the things that are above. We thank you. We bless you. We love you. And we ask all of this in the name of the Holy One of Israel, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, in the name that is above all names, in the name by which men can be healed and saved, which is the only truth, the only life, and the only way, in the matchless, beautiful name of Yeshua, Jesus, we pray. Thanks for listening to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Connect with Behold Israel on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Download our free app available on Android and Apple under Behold Israel. Amir's teachings can be found in multiple languages. You can also visit our website, beholdisrael.org.